Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 189. Dirty, <laughs> dirty pod. Pot. Pod. They're not pods, they're you pots. S- you said pod. No, no I said, said pot. dirty pot. Did he say pot? He did, yeah. Well, that's the pot calling the dirty. Pod. Dirty. Dirty. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Oh, I'm so relaxed. Two weeks off. Oh, that was great, wasn't it? Oh, it's like it's like I've just woken from a dream. I went to Havana and went snorkeling. How was that? That was nice. It was yeah? nice. Yeah. Is it hard to snorkel with cigars in your mouth? Not as hard as you'd think. Right. Well, hard to keep them lit, though. That's the hard thing. Ah. Yeah, that's the trick. Uh, that's a, that's, that, that's a, a, There's a problem. the rub. Yeah, it's a problem that, uh, what's his name from the A-team, never had. Hannibal. No. No. No, Hannibal never had that problem. He went in a bath, though. He was in a bath. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I just, uh, I, I just kind of stayed at home. Started, uh, started doing a segment on a, a radio show. Oh, uh, yeah. What, yeah. What show was that? Uh, it's called The Outland Institute oh. on uh, Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Right. Uh, but it's also it's available as a podcast. Now. It's freaking everywhere. I know. I know. It's apparently, it's like a podcast, but kind of live. It started... It's it started weird, as a. You know how so, some blogs get book deals fairly blogs. quickly. Yeah, like a blog will, will get a book deal fairly quickly. Well, like I know stuff, that, I stuff know. white people like and, and things like that. Outland Institute is a blog that wasn't updated all that often. <laughs> <laughs> that became a radio show. Wow, yeah, I know it's uncanny. It's weird. <clears throat> yeah, um, um, yeah. You can actually also now get, the podcast is available of Outland Institute if you'd like to hear me and Josh. Banging on. Yeah. If you want to hear 18-minute interviews about cultural theory, ooh, yeah. Hey, who doesn't? <laughs> I know. Um, you can find it not on the Joy website because they haven't managed to link my, my show. <laughs> oh, community radio. Um, yeah, you can't access it yet through the Joy website um, or my website either for some reason. But you can get it from the cpod, um, cpod.com.au. I think it is a community broadcaster podcast listing thing. Just go Outland Institute and... Uh, there's links. Yeah. I you. Just Google. I also want to say uh, thanks so much to everybody who has uh, been donating while we've been away. Mm. Uh, it kind of seemingly in order to make sure that we came back. <laughs> it, it seems like people donate. Uh, the, the response has been fantastic and, uh, and we really appreciate it. If, uh, if you do want to donate, you can go to boxcutters.net and on the right-hand side there, there are some donate buttons. So give that a go. Coming up in this episode of Box Cutters, we've got ratings, the, the return of the long-forgotten segment, ratings. Hmm. Remember? Remember we used to have that? I, 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 don't, that? I don't think you've had this since I've been on the show. No, we, we haven't. And that's coming up to a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, which also means you've never heard the intro to ratings. I've never. I, I'm this looking is, forward uh, to it. This is one of those bits of uh, Ross McQueen genius, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the ratings maybe, intro. Maybe next week we should uh, return to the golden age of television, just so we can play that intro. Mm, no. I mean, you can play that if you want. Okay. Just, you know. Well, play as the intro to something else. You can play it during pork or something, <laughs> just so that people can remember what it sounded like. All right. If you like. Okay. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, and I don't buy it. We're going to talk about the new UK show Psychoville. Guess uh, say. That's a psychovilla. That's yes. Yeah, yeah. That's like a holiday home for crazy people. Thank you and good night. That was excellent. We're going to talk about TV that's made from novels. Just a really quick chat about TV comes from novels. If you watch one thing. 
I remember what I forgot to get ready for this show. Ah. It was that. I I thought you would have had an obvious one, actually, looking through the guide. There's so much starting this week. Uh, I'm yet to select from my my selection. Oh, how exciting. I know what not to watch. You could change your mind at any moment. (laughs) Uh, we are going to talk through the details now that we've worked them out of the box cutters crumpler beanbag giveaway. It's I very exciting. It's just you guys didn't listen. No, you. Just, well, I think you surprised us with us. With yeah, them. that's what it was. We weren't. We weren't, we weren't sure. <laughs> After two months of ignoring my my please. <laughs> Can we get it going, please? There'll, there'll be some pork if there's time. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. Walter Cronkite, the man often referred to as the most trusted (gasps) man in America, died last Friday at the age of 92. Oh, you're too late, Josh. I was just going to say to John that uh, now that Josh has mentioned his name, no, 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 this is, this is, no, no, he, he he died last Friday and I don't think I've mentioned his name in in about 10 years. Yeah, Josh is free from blame. Wow. Walter Cronkite. Who yep. knew that people would die without Josh's say-so? <laughs> I, I, I think pr- probably Undertakers. I, I reckon Undertakers are well aware of that. <laughs> and wasn't Walter Cronkite also the model in the Uptown Girl video for Billy Joel? <laughs> 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 uh, sorry. <laughs> no, I don't even know what, what you... It's such an elongated gag. I'm not right. Yeah. Okay, can you explain that to me later? Yeah, later. Because I, I, I'm like, uh, Cronkite was the American news correspondent... He was the first American news correspondent to move from that role to the anchor role. Uh, where he hosted the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. It's lucky... Because that was the name of the show, and then he became the anchor. <laughs> uh, and he, he really he went on to shape the way that a lot of our television was reported. Uh, the uh, CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite went from 1962 to 1981, and in that time, Cronkite developed the role of the anchor to be a lot more than just links between reports. Uh, much like uh, Edward Morrow, Cronkite's program was heavily opinionated, but in in an intelligent and thought-provoking way. And I, I wanted to, to kind of work out a way to say that Cronkite's uh, news presentation was heavily opinionated, but not in the same way that Fox News is. <laughs> it, it wasn't, I, wasn't I, mad. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't insane right. and, uh, and uh, Clearly in reactionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that uh, when Cronkite spoke out against the Vietnam War, then... Uh, U.S. President Lyndon Johnson is reported to have said, "If I've lost Cronkite, I've lost Middle America." I mean that—that that is how much uh, power, sway, and respect uh, people had for for Walter Cronkite. He really did. He he actually started the whole finish off the news with a catchphrase okay. thing. His his was, and that's the way it is. I like that. I hmm. like that. Anyway, he died aged uh, 92 from some 
horrible sounding disease. Well, while Josh may not have uh, killed Walter Cronkite, uh, just a little uh, insight into our off-air time uh, over the, the couple of weeks off. We had a meeting uh, Tuesday last week when uh, Josh was going to check out this afternoon on Wednesday. And uh, it came out on uh, Wednesday that this afternoon on Channel 9 <laughs> was dead. Right. So just by thinking <laughs> about it, Josh, Canal, you had killed it. Can, can I ask? No, no, he actually said, I haven't watched it. I'll have to catch it tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> for, for those not reading along with the podcast, this is actually correct, isn't it? This is in capital letters? Yes, yes, yes. Is, it, is, it is actually this afternoon. afternoon. That's, that's so strange. What was, the, what was the other one recently? Was it um, Handmade or something like yes, that? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, which uh, the, were, came to a conclusion with the uh, winners not being announced in any sort of media release from Channel 9 whatsoever. They kind of just ignored it and buried it. I, th- I think the, um, the lesson to learn here is don't put um, one word in capitals in your show title because it's stupid and your show gets and, and people, Yeah, people don't understand. What's the acronym for? What does this <laughs> stand for? Right. Like the man from Uncle Afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, except that had dots. Uh, yes, so Channel 9 is axed this afternoon after just three weeks on air. Mark Col- Kelvett, uh, 9's Director of News, said, while this is regrettable, our attitude is that it is better to have given it a shot. I'm not sure that uh, just three weeks in a four o'clock. 4.30. 4.30 time slot uh, is giving it that much of a shot. Um, perhaps they, they thought there was a, a little bit too much, uh, uh, what's, what's that, that other Shitness. P- PC term for friendly fire? Um, uh, damage, uh, collateral damage. Collateral damage. Uh, with news readers getting headhunted by other networks um, and they'd have to <laughs> shut it down before they lost too much talent. Um, I did actually get to have a look at it on that Tuesday, and um, I kind of came in uh, unaware that it was on and thought, oh, my God, is it pre-9 o'clock? Am I watching today? Have I walked through some sort of space-time continuum hole? I I did see a a little bit of it, and from from the little bit that I saw while at the gym with my headphones on Mm. listening to something else – I, I still couldn't understand how it ever got onto television. Like, it, it just seemed like the sort of thing where someone would look at it and on paper they were just, this idea is no good. No one's going to go for that. Yeah, but then they went, but did you see that this is in capitals? Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, we must make that now. Yeah. Now! Yeah. See, I think, that, I think the thinking at Channel 9 is probably that, uh, holy shit, we have tried this and this and this and this and this and nothing's worked. Maybe we will have a shot with this. That could take off. Who knows? It looks ridiculous to us. But oh, you mean but maybe we could have a shot with this? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, because, uh, you know, Hot Seat wasn't uh, burning up the charts, as it were, to uh, give them a strong lead into their news. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they're really clutching at straws. It's because Hot Seat is such... It, it's filled with the dumbest idiots in the world. Uh, there was... And maybe I'm just overestimating the intelligence of the average Australian, but... Uh, I, I remember seeing one uh, question where the like one of the easiest questions, you know, the one hundred or two hundred dollar question, uh, was in which war did the Anzacs fight at Gallipoli? Uh, Vietnam War. Well, the the guy said World War Two, mm-hmm. and uh, I, after thinking about it for about three minutes, and it's not like we don't do Gallipoli at school, yeah, you know, for about twelve years. I know. Yeah. It's bizarre. That's all we studied in my school. Literally. And after 12 years of freaking John Howard harping on about World War One and... and, and you think all, you, you it's, that is a diversion from, from current day politics. It, it's the only battle that 
95 years later, still has ads for it on television. How could you not get that right? How true. Still, uh, we say goodbye to this afternoon. Bye this afternoon. Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. You never uh, saw this afternoon, did you? No. <laughs> I can't get television. I still actually can't get television. Uh, I, 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 I'm probably the only television podcaster who doesn't actually get TV in his house. We did talk to someone. Apparently, it's the cabling. Anyway, speaking of cable, Futurama, uh, which we talked about returning to uh, the Comedy Central in America. I, I'm so excited. Oh, well, we were all very excited, weren't we? You know, we were, oh, it's back, isn't that great? It got cancelled, it's all back. Everyone's back. The old gang, Billy West, Katie Seagal, John DiMaggio, all oh, those voice talent, they're all coming back. Apparently they're not. Um, oh. There's What, what, what? 20th Century Fox uh, won't... Basically, it's money. They're not stumping up the money that the voice talent were after. It's believed to be around $75,000 per episode. And they've actually put out a cattle call. Um, they're putting out uh, audition pieces uh, to try and hire new voice talent to do... That can match the existing... Well, well they've, they've... Oh, is Billy West back? No, do we know who's not well, going back? At the moment, I mean, the thing too is this happened before in The Simpsons as well. So, yeah, we don't know kind of whether or not this is... This is a traditional Hollywood thing. You, you threaten to hire new people to make the current ones shut up. Who left The Simpsons? No one. No but, one. But, oh. but again, it was a, it was a, a thing about money. And, and in South Park, apparently, so they have to kill themselves before they let them go. At the, uh, at, at the Simpsons, uh, someone, uh, some executive famously said, uh, well, we can get you know, a, as many number of college students to do those voices as, as we want. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and people were outraged by that. Well, 20th Century Fox has put out a statement saying, while replacing these talented actors will be difficult, the show must go on. We're confident that we will find terrific new performers to give voice to Matt and David's brilliantly subversive characters. So the hope hope is this is just negotiations. It's a smaller budget than everyone was expecting. Um, but possibly it may come back with different voice talent, which I think would be a terrible, terrible idea. Can I say, my favourite bit of, uh, of reportage about mm. that... Uh, this week came from Variety, where, where they said, The studio announced last month that it would produce 26 new episodes of Futurama with Comedy Central on board to begin airing the new episodes in mid-2010. As part of the announcement, the show's producers said stars, including West, Seagal and DiMaggio, had all signed on to return. Turns out, that wasn't true. Thank you, Variety. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're a classy publication. <laughs> You're really, Hey, speaking of classy, Channel 9... Sure, they're uh, hideously under budget for for the year, and they've uh, they've announced that they did not meet their targets, and blah 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 blah. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Still, go. Is, is that really spelt like that? Yeah, it's a G O exclamation mark and a capital G and a capital O. No, just a capital G. Oh, okay, but still, it's ex- it's an exclamation. No, that that's good. It's go. So uh, so because it, after they didn't put the punctuation on on you know what's wrong with what's wrong with you, whatever that show was called. Who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. None of that had had. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks piling up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so Channel Australia's 9 got talent? Channel 9 announced its current plan for the... Uh, That's quotes. <laughs> Australia's got, quote, talent. <laughs> <laughs> so, go on. That's, that's, more, that's more like a, a, a dare. Because <laughs> Australia's got talent, Australia. That's a, that's a threat, isn't it? <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, you were saying... Uh, so, uh, so yes, Nine announced its current plans for its 18 to 39-year-old aimed digital-only channel. Go! Complete with the exclamation mark. Uh, is, uh, according to a statement last week from Nine CEO David Gingell, it will screen such favourites as Gossip Girl, The Hills, Fringe, Survivor, 
Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it's it's good to know that uh, Channel 9 has spent all this time inventing Fox 8 and Arena. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Somebody had to... <laughs> Uh, I mean, this it, it kind of it kind of makes sense because Fox Eight is the most popular show on subscription television, and uh, and this is the perfect opportunity for Channel Nine to say, well, here's another reason that you don't need subscription television. Although, why we can't all just live together and love each other, I don't understand. Uh, it's it's the cabling. Oh, it's yeah. it's the cabling. <laughs> that's that's your problem. Uh, also, apparently. Uh, they'll be showing the most anticipated. This is from the from the release. It says the most anticipated new show of U.S. television called The Vampire Diaries. Really? Well, I can't think of anything more anticipated than The Vampire Diaries. The Vampire Diaries. Diaries, which you know, I read the papers every week. I search through television news. I've never heard of it. Anyway, that's going to premiere on Go. Sorry. That was a question. That's going to pre- premiere on Go, where uh, it should be able to uh, to be widely ignored by millions. Yeah. I'll be not looking forward to that. Same. Yeah. Um, Brett. Brett. Yes. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Seven Network has uh, apparently confirmed that it's cancelled medical drama All Saints after twelve seasons. Oh, that's where we were going with that. Oh. I'm just going to take my hat off because the beak keeps hitting the microphone. Oh, not as a mark of respect. You don't, you don't feel that strongly about it. Uh, uh, just there was no hit longest running primetime series, and I, I was really trying to work out what that on was. On Channel 7. On Channel 7. Yes. But ever? No, just, just at just, the moment. Uh, it just says the longest running primetime series on 7. When you say I would it, imagine that that what, is, what says that? Where does it say that? Uh, this is the Australian's Media Diary. How long did it run for? How many 12 series? seasons. Oh, it's still an hour. That's it's like an, just an hour. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> 12, though, that is impressive. That's a, that's a good innings, as we say in hey. death. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had a good run. Yeah. Had a good run. Uh, Tim Warner. Admitted that the show had been axed after weeks of stalling on uh, confirming or denying that uh, anything was happening with it. Uh, but he says that an audience shift and increased production costs are behind this decision. I assume that uh, hiring all those helicopters and, and white jumpsuits <laughs> yeah, increased the production costs. Yeah. Yeah. Whose who's bright idea was that? I mean, it was still the highest rating Australian drama last week on uh, on television. Because uh, rafters isn't on. Uh, yeah, that comes back this week, I think. I'm quite taken by the phrase audience shift. That's really lovely. Oh, there was an audience shift. Yeah, which is basically people stopped watching, isn't it? That, that's yeah, what yeah. that means. Yeah. We screwed the pooch yeah. and they stopped watching it. Audience shift. Mm, still, still, I take your point, Brett. Helicopters, expensive. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> very expensive. White oh, jumpsuits. And a piece of news that we weren't. Surprisingly. More expensive. <laughs> Piece of news we weren't doing this week. Pack to the Rafters apparently been picked up by Lionsgate in America for an American uh, version of it. Uh, every part of that story just freaks with my mind grapes, and I just don't even want Didn't they try that already with I know, uh, Kath and Kim? Wasn't that the Rafter a, family in the States? It's a gate, especially for lions. I, 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 Is that I, the bit that, that yeah, screws with your mind? I know. Yeah. Lionsgate Bridge, it's in Vancouver, American show. No, no, it's, um, it's the fact that Lionsgate actually makes good shows, like Mad Men. And uh, I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing with Pack? 
back to the rafters, put it down. You'll just sell yourself. You'll get all over yourself and you'll have to go and clean yourself. They may have just looked at the numbers here in Australia. Well, I mean, or possibly it's going to be a good show. Maybe they'll take it and turn it into something interesting with subtext and stuff. Because, yeah, Americans, they bang up that shit. I, uh, I, I, I watched three episodes of uh, Pack to the Rafters in a row last week. Mm-hmm. I finally get it. Yeah. I don't like it, but I, but I get it now. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of aspirational. It, it, I, I it's got do- everything. It's got, it's got something for the bogan, something for the, the tradies, something for the wogs next door. And yeah, yeah. something for the hippies. But, but if you're Mr. Lionsgate, though, what are you doing with it? Because that's what I'm curious to know. Are they going to make it a comedy? Are they going to make it like a, a, a more intense six feet under kind of drama? Are they going to, like, what are they going to do with it? Because obviously if I'm, they're if, not going to make it. If I'm Lionsgate, I'm going to take the, the very basic premise. Mm. I'm going to take all the best talent I can to, to throw at it. And I'm going to take to pitches uh, at, you know, with, with uh, network executives. I, I will pitch to them that it is the highest rating drama in Australia. That it is. Oh yeah, but when they make it, though, they're going to have to try oh, and find a subtext. So is, that, is it going to be about uh, oh, when a couple ages? Is it going to be about uh, how families don't get along? I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, there's going to have to be something in it that there isn't. Oh yeah, yeah, currently. but they'll they'll cross that bridge when they come to it. At, right. at the moment, uh, I, I'm fairly, I, you know, call me cynical, but I would say they're just buying the rights to it uh, in order to. Uh, make it easier to pitch a family one-hour drama. Oh, yeah. But you're going to pitch that. The Mr. Network Man, who looks like Brett here, is going to say, what, like Kath and Kim? And then, you know, you've added that meaning. No, actually, yeah, that, on, on reflection on that, uh, I think Roseanne did it 20 years ago, so uh, it, it's pretty similar to, to that. I'm wondering uh, who's going to play the Michael Caton character, and I'm, I'm blanking on um, that guy's name. Michael Caton, you just said no. Harvey Keitel, no, no. Uh, Lethal Weapon. Who was the guy? Not Mel Gibson. Danny Glover. Danny Glover as the grandfather. That'd be cool. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now the news we were going to do. Um, That's so weird and obscure, Brad. Because we're into like the third hour of the news now. I can tell we've been on holidays. <laughs> can't you? Um, there is rumour going around that there may be a Doctor Who feature film coming up. The BBC's already confirmed that uh, it's been working on a script for one. But it is thought that possibly Comic Con, which is about to happen in San Diego, which um, you know used to be a comic convention, now seems to be a thing where people announce anything involving films and television and si- science fiction and genre, yeah, genre-related kind of science fiction stuff. Um, it's the first time the Doctor Who has had a, a, a sort of panel at Comic Con, and David Tennant and uh, Russell T Davies are going over. And the rumor is that it'll be written by Russell T Davies, directed by Euros Lin, which. Is kind of interesting because Russell T Davies was definitely not the best writer on Doctor Who. Euros Lim was not the best director. So uh, yeah, it's kind of curious that that's apparently the rumored we, we lo- team. We love the idea of the feature film. Throw your B team at it. <laughs> yeah, we really want the B team. Yeah, B team all the way. Uh, so that's the rumor like going a, around. Like having a, a, a new Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie written by Marty Noxon. Yeah, Comic Con is uh, kicking off on July twenty third. So if we hear anything, we will let you know. Uh, do you remember the uh, the, the uh, Doctor Who telly movie that was made for a US audience mm-hmm. about that With was Paul, terrible? Paul McGann and terrible. It was quite bad. Terrible. Shot, shot in Vancouver. Right, mm. right. They all should have been. Uh, the BBC will transfer a series of five-minute webisodes into seven thirty-minute television episodes. Oh yes, fresh <laughs> is the name of the show. No, I lost you after webisodes. Hang on, they're doing what? What's going into what? They've got a series yep. of five-minute webisodes yep. that they're going to make into a seven-minute... Uh, sorry, into seven 30-minute t- 
television so episodes. So it's going from web to, to TV. TV. Oh, okay. It's called Fresh. It's a youth-focused program about a group of first-year uni students, uh, and it was produced by the BBC's teen-orientated website, Switch. It's going to move to BBC Two in the upcoming television se- season, but it's also going to be shown on BBC Three, which is their digital channel. The US has never successfully made the transition from a short online piece to full length with live action programming. They've never been able to do that. But The Simpsons did come from a series of sketches and South Park came from an animated Christmas card. So, you know, they, they do have that skill. They've just never managed to uh, to, to push it forwards. I, I have theories on this, but not time to go into it. In Australia, Kath and Kim developed from sketches in Big Girl's Blouse. Oh, very good. And Con good Carpenter job. grew out of a comedy company sketch. It still remains to be seen whether the BBC, which has been hit and miss of late with its development, is going to be able to bring that show into the mainstream. But, uh, you know, good on them for trying. Borat and Bruno, of course, also came out of uh, sketch comedy as well. But they're feature yes. films. Uh, oh, speaking of feature films, feature films you don't want to see. They're, well, we've been on holiday. A whole bunch of projects based on TV shows that really don't deserve movies are underway. So, Hong Kong Fooey is moving forward at Alcon Entertainment with Brett Ratner producing. Oh! oh. Yep. I'll just throw it in the bin now. I know, I know. I think that'll be on, on DVD next week. Uh, a MacGruber movie. Which um, oh. a Saturday Night Live sketch that has already been forgotten, which was in itself a parody of MacGyver. That's coming to the cinema. Great. Baywatch. Oh, yeah. Um, Baywatch. Uh, Paramount is making a feature length, a Baywatch comedy inspired by the show. Um, uh, isn't, that, isn't that just Son of the Beach? It's, it's been <laughs> it's, they're just doing a movie version of Son of the Beach. People connected to The Hangover are writing that one. Um, apparently it was secured by DreamWorks back in 2005 and changed hands for an undisclosed seven-figure amount to Paramount. So this is like people are spending a fortune to get the rights to make Baywatch. The T- comedy musical. TJ Hooker. Oh, yeah. TJ Hooker. Because we've all been sitting around going, wow, I really wish they'd make a TJ Hooker series. Um... It's well, now that um, what oh, does Chuck, is- Chuck Russell, who made the mask, might be directing. <laughs> oh dear! Um, Variety says it's being positioned as an action comedy centered on the relationship between the beat cop and his father, and also on the list, the Smurfs and the Jetsons, planned for 2010. Smurfs in three D. In three D. Yeah. Jetsons three D. Don't know about the Jetsons, but the Smurfs here definitely CGI. You know, Smurf action. Struggling to find a reason to live, <sighs> I, I say, know. and that. This is the Boxcutters News. In the beginning, there was nothing, and God created everything. He made man and beast. One day, man came across a chicken, and he said, I can use this. And thus, our rating system was born. It might be convoluted, it might make no sense, but it's the only system we've got, damn it. Ratings. Better than nothing. But only just. Bloody hell! You were, you were, you were looking up at the ceiling I when was. that happened, like like a Rolf at the end of Veterinarian Hospital. hospital. I, it was it was a bit alarming. I was a bit alarmed. I mean, I know I know we're going for alarming, you know, eyelids here at Foxconnors, but usually they're short and just weird. That was that was yeah, that was scary. Well, that's because you don't know about the whole man and the chicken. 
because no. uh, that's no. that's how our rating system happens. Okay. There's a man with a chicken at Oztam, mm. and the chicken just pecks at things, and then uh, and then discover, and then the man goes, "Ah, that's what that show rated, right? That's uh, that that was the uh, man with chicken." There's actually a gentleman. Theory. There's a producer called Kirkland Tibbles in America who I got to to send a script to once, and I, I'm still of the belief that Kirkland Tibbles is actually a hamster who who nibbles <laughs> on the scripts the studio will make. What do you think, Mr. Tibbles? What do you think, Kirkland? Oh, okay, we'll make this. Are you sure? A big budget remake of The Witch? <laughs> Kirkland says yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Well, uh, Brett, do you want to uh, run run with this one? It's I, Sorry, I have to say, on the Outland Institute last Friday, I said we would not be talking... No, the radio show. The radio, no, the radio show. show. The movie. Yeah, the blog, the <laughs> the blog now. The, the hologram. Blog, the blog now has just been largely forgotten. It's just an excuse to link to the podcast of the radio <laughs> it show. It really uh, is. But the... Uh, <laughs> he's sitting right here and I'm still saying these things. Uh, but I did promise that uh, on this week's Box Cutters we would not be talking about MasterChef. And you lied. However... It has been massive. I did not realise that. Brett Cropley, can you give us the figures for... Uh, the uh, the finale of MasterChef was on last night, Sunday night, and uh, overall scored just under 3.3 million viewers. And it, it with peaked. the winners announced segments uh, watched by 3.7 million viewers, apparently peaking at 4.11 million. 4.11 million. Crazy, isn't it? That's like what, like a, 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 a fifth massive. of the population or something actually tuned in. To yeah, Channel Channel Ten should change their their name to Ten. <laughs> That's how exci- exciting that I is. I think it is. Four- Isn't 10 all in capitals? It is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it, it doesn't have an exclamation been. mark. Yeah, that's silent. <laughs> it's invisible. Yeah, it's yeah. invisible. Invisible, invisible and audible. 4.11 million at some stage went, oh, I want to see what this is all about. I mean, that's, that's extraordinary. Now, uh, of course, that's not really 4.11 million. That's... Uh, an estimated 4.11 million based on the fact the that chicken. three people with a chicken. Oh, with, with the chicken, the, right. The, yeah. The, the, but look, here's, here's the question. The question I did ask you on the Outlanders Institute Fridays, mid to 2, Joy 94.9. And you didn't quite have the answer for yeah, no, why. No, I am not a racist. Why? <laughs> yes, there was that as well. Why was it so popular? Why was this show so phenomenally popular? Uh, I, of course, never saw it because I don't have TV. But but why? Ask, I, ask I the think there had been... Something in MasterChef that we haven't seen previously in a reality show, which was audience participation. So they, people, people are interested in cooking. Food's food's kind of big at the moment, and uh, MasterChef was giving masters classes and little tips and recipes. And so I think that that probably got in a lot of audience that uh, wouldn't uh, normally be watching reality TV at all. On top of that, uh, you've got the usual reality audience uh, bulking it up. The uh, it, I, I would point you to the uh, the Crikey article that quoted me heavily from uh, from, oh, really? from Friday. Yeah, but uh, I can't find that at the moment. Media um, horns. I know, I know. But but but, but, but essentially, it was a, a show that was uh, about people being rewarded for actually doing something good. Mm-hmm. So you made a good dish, you were safe. You made a bad dish, you weren't safe. That was just the the very basic nature of of MasterChef. Unlike Big Brother, where uh, if you were the lowest common denominator bogan, you got through. So there was a niceness to it, from what I can, what I've heard. Is that also like it wasn't as, as negative or as bitchy? As- I never had- watched the full episode, so it had uh, bitchy and negative subtext, and people did hate. 
certain contestants like the uh the audience like you with poe because yeah. she was asian yeah you're racist <laughs> <laughs> she was just kicked out twice i don't know why she was still in the show that's all i'm saying uh the uh so, so people did have their favorites and and there were a, a whole lot of people that uh that you could just identify with and chris one of the the contestants uh was very much a a Melbourne person. I have no idea what that sound was, but maybe I shouldn't have had that cross on. I, I think it's uh, somebody tuning up a steel there, string yes, guitar there, there a, in the There's corridor. a band in the corridor, so we, we, we do apologise for those who home being It's not confused. like our silent fan in the corner. No. It's, no. Very, uh, it's very disconcerting. It is very, very odd, I must admit. <laughs> the, uh, so, so, what was I saying? Yeah, so uh, people in Melbourne really liked Chris because he was very much... A Melbourne guy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and had Melbourne attitudes to to things. Uh, but then mums would have really loved Julie, and uh, I don't know. Some people really liked Poe. I can't work out why, but I think less of them. Uh, the and, and so th- there was something for everybody in in MasterChef. Uh, it's uh, it's a shame though because it was a really good show, and then it just started deteriorating towards the end when. It became so transparent as to how the uh, how the uh, final contestants were being uh, how the producers were engineering it. Basically, I, I, I wouldn't say how the producers were engineering it. I would just say how the uh, contestants were being funneled out. It, it's, I mean, the the things and John, we talked about uh, Amazing Race and how you know Amazing Race has that uh, that exit strategy of uh, of non elimination. Which, yes, which I personally believe are, are used strategically. So if the hero or the villain of the piece, because Amazing Race is quite obviously cast, and I think really well cast, to go, here mm-hmm. are the heroes, here are the villains, and then it becomes clear who they are, that if the hero or the villain's going to lose that week, it it's suddenly becomes a non-elimination round. But the the great thing about Amazing Race is that it is, it's not transparent. You can't see through that. Uh, you know, if, if you're cynical and you look for it uh, and uh, and you try to guess for it, then... then yeah, you might you might start thinking that, but it's never it's never really obvious that that's what they're doing. Uh, well, and they also they can only pull it off like you know probably twice in a series or something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And uh, and you know they're they're very clear to say how many non-elimination rounds there are at the start of a race, uh, and and things like that. Uh, that's really important for a, a reality television show, and I think MasterChef had that in the middle of it when it when it hit its strides and stopped being about the uh, the, the cooks voting each other off. Because that was, that was another thing. It it did change and, and kind of mutate over time as audiences found bits of it distasteful. I suspect that there's a thing too, um, and I think this goes back to what Brett was saying about it. it's a show that people could get involved in. There are certain of these reality shows I don't think actually need the elimination element. I think that's so built in now to our idea that, that we need to have it there, whereas I think the audience probably would have been quite happy to just watch them all and still have a winner at the end. But you well, how do you necessarily... decide who the winner is, and how do you build up that that tension? Oh, I suppose so. But I'm thinking there's still why a not, points why not have, and stuff, isn't it? There? Yeah, a, why not have you know... points going on? Then you could have uh... like Eurovision. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> but, not helpful. But if if you have if you have ongoing points, uh, which is essentially what Fattest Loser does, it's got an ongoing points system. Uh, by weight lost. By, by, by weight lost. I believe it's called Biggest Loser. No, no, no. Uh, 
the, but they are they are kicking people out as they go through. They they, they yeah. are they are kicking people out as they go through. But you mm. wouldn't need to do that if you just accumulated points. Uh, then uh, you could engineer a, a really exciting race to the finish, rather than uh, just have eliminations to the finish. That that would be a nice idea. The thing with reality and having so many contestants is that generally earlier in the season they go that much further over time than they are scheduled and so kind of whittling down the number of contestants helps them with just scheduling. Maybe you've just got too many people. I mean, clearly Actually, no, a lot but, of those people are just dead weight. But that could be it too, isn't it? You're not sure which ones are going to be the dead weight when you start. So maybe it's a way of, of you know, allowing the, the heroes and villains to emerge from the you know, from the people you've got. Maybe you do like a survivor half and half. So, so once you've got 12 remaining, then you've got people that are going on to the jury. Uh, but just, you know, they can still keep on cooking. But the, or, it's it's the first half on Survivor that they get rid of, and you don't see again until the reunion. It, or you do it like uh, like Australian Idol, uh, where they just have a whole lot of mass elimination rounds uh, that are not live, entirely pre-recorded, done all around the country, and then they've got their final ten or whatever. Uh, who sing, and if you sing badly, you get shot. Or what? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't watch the show. I don't understand it. There's a sluice gate. That's all I remember. Ah. Oh. Is there? <laughs> uh, Josh is going home tonight thinking there's a sluice gate in, America, in Australian Idol. Well, there is. Some of the uh, one, just one thing that uh, that came up today uh, that uh, was a bit critical about it was that it was the production was so Sydney, where all the all the judges on MasterChef were from Melbourne, a lot of the contestants were from Melbourne, and it seemed that they just wanted to have shots of the harbour, and that was the only reason to have it up in Sydney. Huh. Isn't the only reason to go to Sydney? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, Sorry, there you, there you my go. mistake. It's, it's what, what are you going to... I mean... That's no criticism. Pro, Project Runway Just is shot... Shut in, your trap. Project Runway is shot in Melbourne and, uh, you know, they've got shots of Melbourne streets, which are just shots of streets. Ding, ding. As yeah, a tram. And, uh, and, yeah. and a tram. And, uh, and, and really, every now and then, if you want to get distracted, a nice shot of the harbour. Sure. Oh, look, it's a pretty day outside. Anyways, that's uh, ratings. MasterChef rated its ass off. I wonder if it'll do as well next season or if they'll just uh, continue to overthink it and uh, and just let it go down, down, down. Are you one of those that follows the ads? Follows, 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 follows the ads. Follows, 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 Yes. You have an I don't buy it. I do. It's, uh, uh, this was something that I came across. Uh, one of those, one of those uh, pearls from late night TV uh, that I saw the other night. Uh, and it seems like some sort of vendetta from somebody who just didn't think the owner of the company, uh, Thea, I think it is, uh, should be the one doing the ad. And, and so just tried to uh, drown her out with the music. I think I can see her, their, their point. And you're going to stick your hands in cold, freezing, yucky gutters to clean them? Seriously? Hi, I'm Thea from Leafbusters. Install Leafbusters now and never waste another minute of your life cleaning gutters. If you want gutter protection that really works, call Leafbusters to fix it right the first time. Who are you going to call? Leafbusters. 
Call one three hundred gutter for a free measuring quote. You see what I mean? Fine, fine, fine. There, if you Why if you really feel like you should be the one doing gutters. the ad, I'm just going to drown you out with your freaking that, that music. That is interesting. Now, have you seen? Because the, the, Thea's been doing those ads for a while now. Right. I, 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 I've appreciated has, Thea's has work. Has the audio mix no, been as bad as that? That's new. That's new. The, the, I don't remember there being a song, and it's kind of funny that they've got like, yeah, a lot funkier there than they normally. The, my my favourite one involves. Thea doing what appears to be like they've, they've worked out six or seven potential taglines for the ad and they just have her doing all seven of them one after the other. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, why waste time? Call Leafbusters. Looking for leaf problems? Leafbusters. Leafbusters. The biggest and the best. Leafbusters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, choose. Just choose, <laughs> Thea. Choose one of them. Leafbusters for all your foliage removal. But also, I'm kind of talking about any, any company that calls itself something Busters, unless it, it started in 1986. Just so they could rip off the Ghostbusters. I mean, it's like, yeah, is, is there any it potential mileage? It was her favourite film when she was 40 years old. Because, <laughs> yeah, there's video busters as well on Smith Street. They have a whole chain. And again, the who you're going to call. And it's like. Guys, it's, mind you, maybe it's, it's now come to the age where it's, it's actually cool and retro. Well, if rather they're than still just being video busters at this point. That, that is a good point. I saw Video Shack in Darwin, I think it was called. <laughs> I just thought, oh, everything about that is doomed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> was it Video 2000? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they've drowned out Thea. But what Thea was saying wasn't nearly as good as the song. I think, I think what they've done is ha- had a fight over... You know, Thea wanted to do the ad, just wanted to, to talk at the people, and someone else was saying, well, we've spent $28 on this song. <laughs> can we please can we please play the song? Because it's excellent. I mean, the, the things you're saying in your song. Wasn't that the Street things- Tough by Rebel MC? <laughs> yes. That was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they haven't paid any royalties. So we can't mention that. Yep. No. The, uh, the, the things that she says in, like, keep your hands out, out of the gutters. Mucky water. And uh, and they're singing. Keep your hands out of the gutter. <laughs> you do have to ponder though. What what is the market for, for gutter cleaners? I mean, how many people actually need that service? Well, I think it's actually kind of a grate that keeps the the leaves out of the gutters. So mm-hmm. so it's not cleaning the gutters. It's just stopping them getting dirty. But even then, how many people are? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, oh, I see, 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 you see them around. I see oh. heaps of ads for exfoliant on uh, on television. Right. Oh. Just, just me and my crazy share flat with no television. <laughs> I also think maybe I, there's I was a lot more. A, I was, I was making cosmetics versus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think maybe yeah, there's a lot I, more yeah. uh, of the uh, on the radio. Right. Uh, perhaps. No, that's that band TV on the radio. Perhaps. Uh, I think you protest specifically. Three AW. I think I think this is what this is about. Oh, Brett, Brett and Thea it's one of those, sitting oh, in a leaf buster. I hate you, Thea. Oh, I hate you, Brett Cropley from Broxcoders. And then you know, 90 mm, minutes mm, later. Mm, yeah, mm, exactly. Mm, yes, yes. When I say somebody's got a vendetta against her, it was me. <laughs> I still don't buy it. Prepare your mind yeah. for a brain explosion. <laughs> It's a fitting intro, I think, it, to, it's, it's uh, to, to talk about Psychoville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spent my holidays making up new <laughs> things to scare John Richards. Nice. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. So, a man sends handwritten notes to five seemingly unrelated human beings. It seems quite random. And the notes just say, I know what you did last summer. No, no, they just And say, then Jennifer Love Hewitt turns up. No. And she kind of wobbles her, her boobies and everybody's happy. 
Brett, did you did you prepare anything for this segment? Yeah, that was in the first episode. Didn't right. you see that bit of it? No. I was kind of asked for the credits. Did you just go ahead? Did Did you watch the right show? I don't think he watched the right show. Um, I think he watched the wrong show. I think he was watching Ghost Whisperer. Because <laughs> oh, that always so happens Ghost, Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> but Psychoville. Psychoville. And, and so then I just say, I know what you did. And, and, and yet... Discussing the uh, the introduction and and partial premise of the show just doesn't seem like the best introduction to the show. So uh, so maybe it's better to set the scene by saying that it was created by Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton, who are two of the minds behind the sometimes funny but mostly disturbing League of Gentlemen. Uh, not to be confused with the Alan Moore graphic novels League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm-hmm. This was just a TV show called League of Gentlemen. Kind of, kind of whacked out the uh, comedy series. Yeah. Well, I think it was less, less comedy, more disturbing. Yeah. I, I found with the with League of Gentlemen. And there's Still, a couple of uh, characters that are very much like characters from that show. Yeah. And I, I could I could see the appeal of it, but uh, it was just a little bit too too full on for me. Really? This is weird because I was actually living in England when League of Gentlemen came out. And League of Gentlemen mm-hmm. was huge in the UK. And I, and I loved it. And... I'm trying to remember what it was. There was another show that was on at the time. It was kind of middling. It may have been um, the Ali G show. Yeah, it's still popular, but not. Came back to Australia. Ali G was huge, and no one apparently had watched League of Gentlemen. It was so weird that it had kind Somehow, of. Somehow, I think people were guilty about watching it. Here. Yeah. I, that no one really talked about it. Whereas, you know, because it was massive All the, in the, all the characters were doing mall shows over in the UK at yeah. the time. Also, League of Gentlemen, of course, um, it was playing on things like Hammer Horror films and, and uh, things like The Wicker Man and all this kind of very English kind of horror. Um, sort of traditions and, and genres that maybe I think never really translated outside of the UK. Like it mm-hmm. may have been a very UK series. And Psychoville, again, we're saying, we're, so basically we're following these five storylines, really, about these yes. five seemingly unconnected uh, characters. And again, tying very much into that same League of Gen- Gentlemen world of uh, a mildly hammer horror thing. It's more set in the kind of contemporary world, but you do have a, a crazy clown. You have um, Dawn French as the... As a nurse who... Uh, who has a, a doll that she is convinced is really her kid and she's... Yeah, and there's something satanic going on, but we don't kind of know what it is. And, um, and, and there's a blind man who collects plushies. And sells them pl- for millions. And, yeah. Yes. And, 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 um, and there's all these secrets. Everyone's got these secrets and backstories. But I've, I've got to say, I love this. And I, I absolutely adored this. And again, maybe it's because I love League of Gentlemen. It was weird. This is only half the League of Gentlemen doing this show. And yet, I'm not quite sure why the other two aren't there. It still feels like it's... It's a League of Gentlemen series to me. See, t- to me, it feels like those other two, dead weight. Well, the, well, the other actor, Mark Gatiss, who um, was the other on-screen League of Gentlemen, he does appear at one point in the series as a sort of, you know, uh, as a cameo. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, and then the fourth one was just a writer. But it's just, yeah, this show. And what I was saying was, that while I did laugh occasionally, I actually enjoyed this more as a drama. I, I actually well, was just really is, taken by the plot, uh, and I was really enjoying One it. of the things I, I really like about Psychoville, and I have to say, I loved the pants off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know it was wearing pants until I loved them so much that they came off. Didn't you see them around his ankles while he was getting his back the, uh, cleaned off? <laughs> Brett, doesn't he? I don't think he watched the show. No, that was in it. No, that was in it. Actually, was in it. One of the things that I really liked about it uh, is that they kind of ease us into into the madness. So it, it starts off seeming quite quite ordinary, other than a really excellent gag to start off with. It seems quite normal, quite a, quite a normal show. Dawn French plays a nurse, uh, and and it kind of feels a little bit like Murder Most Horrid uh, mm-hmm. did. 
the the uh, excellent short-lived Don French series. And then it kind of gradually escalates the ridiculousness of its characters until we're left at, left at the end of every episode, just like mouth agape, unable to believe what we just saw. I, I think I think that's that's an extraordinary bit of of plotting and planning, and it's it's clear to me that a lot of work has really gone into uh, the the storytelling elements well, I, yeah, and the, the best way to release information. I was really, yeah, really taken by the storytelling of it. I watched an interview with them earlier, and they were saying they, they wanted to do something along the lines of uh, Lost and 24 and those sort of shows. I said that's what they were aiming for with these little parcels of information and people saying things like, um, I know what you did. And apparently they actually started from that and then had to work out what it was the people who did. They actually started off with the idea of the mystery and then had to work back. So, so, they're, so they're solving the mystery themselves. Exactly. And I, and I just thought, yeah, the, the casting was amazing. We haven't mentioned um, Robert Greenspan, played by Jason Tompkins, who is uh, he's a dwarf working on a, a version of Snow White, but he seems to have um, some sort of you know, telekinetic uh, powers and can make things blow up. And I Don't make me angry. Don't make him angry. And he's also, I think, by far the most sympathetic character, which I really like. It's, the it's, fact his, that he's, his story is kind of heartbreaking. It really and is. And he's a really lovely guy with this obviously uncontrollable power, whereas some of the others are a lot more disturbing. Than, really? Than, than I, him. I think that he's, he's quite in control of when he unleashes Well, he usually goes off when he's really upset and angry. So I'm not sure if, yeah. yeah it seems to me but to like be... But like he has uh, to stand there kind of squinting to make stuff happen. <laughs> yeah, so look, I've got to say I love this and I really want to talk about episode four in a second. But uh, Brett, I'm going to think you, re- you, you really, did not. You're going you're gonna to talk about episode four? I, th- I think, yeah. Okay. Uh, just, uh, yeah. I, I really, en- really enjoyed the first three episodes of this. Mm. Um, it was it was rollicking along. I, I don't uh, recall particular end of episode um, reveals or anything as I was oh, going it's, through it's, there. It's not end That's of episode. Re- no, no. It's, just, it's, it's not reveals. It's an just... An appreciation for the entire episode. It's kind of at the end of the episode, we just go, what was that that we just saw? Like, it, it started off seemingly so innocent and then ends up being one of the most subversive things we've seen on television in a long time. Uh, and every episode kind of just escalates like that, starts off starts off normal, maybe not as normal as the episode before, mm-hmm. and then just gets into deeper and deeper and deeper territory until we're just completely uh, confused and horrified. And I want to say, so let's move on. So then, you, you like the first three episodes, but you've seen four. Of them. Yeah. So let's go to episode four. Now, it's a seven-episode se- series, apparently, which is quite rare. The UK usually does six, is the, is the standard. And it appears to be seven because episode four is effectively, I'm going to call it event television. It's, it's, a, it's a really odd one-off piece in the middle of the, of the, the event series. Did they, did they show it live? Or? No, 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 no. I think it was, I think, well, but it has been, I think it got a fair bit of media coverage because effectively it is... Um, it starts off at the very beginning. I went, oh, they're doing they're doing a parody of Rope, the Alfred Hitchcock film. That's quite Cause, clever. Because it but, starts off two of the characters as strangling someone. Whilst some Bernard Herman music is playing on the soundtrack. Bernard Herman music is playing with with a, a green uh, a, a green wall on the mm-hmm. on the background, uh, and the uh, and the kind of choreography is exactly yeah. like the opening of Rope. And, as what well. I, and what I was thinking is, it's a shame though, because the minute they cut away to the other characters, obviously, you know, the only thing Rope was really famous for now is the fact that it was all done in one take. And they don't no, cut away. One it's, shot. One, well, one shot. Well, one shot. Appearing in one shot. Um, and they don't. It's, it's, it's a one shot, 30 minute piece. Um, and I don't want to give any spoilers away the plot because I was, I was really impressed by it. It, but, it was. I, I, I saw episode four and went. That's some of the most genius television I've seen in a long time. And the commitment to it, going, no, we're going to do rope. We're going to do this one-shot 
you know, the camera will move around. Everyone has to do everything live um, pretty much. I was, yeah, I was amazed by it, but you, you were not. Well, not knowing about any of that, I, I just thought, why the hell is this stage play in the middle of, of the series that was quite it. entertaining and, and engrossing <laughs> and what happened to the rest of the stories that were, were actually giving a bit of uh, uh, release as, as you move from character to character. It, it kind of builds up more of the picture of what's going on overall and uh, keeps the interest up. But, you didn't but enjoy it though as a, as, a, as, a, as a playlet in itself? Because I thought even then it was really impressive just the, as a... I, I thought that the, the uh, mother and son who clearly have the most backstory to to get out. Uh, I thought it was an excellent vehicle to get uh, all of their backstory out and uh, and and get them moving along with uh, with their storyline. But you didn't you didn't feel that. I mean, were you bored or frustrated or I mean, what was the? Um, I guess frustrated that that it neglected everybody else mm-hmm. in the story, um, and yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it will all come together in episode five. Well, I, I, for sus- me. I suspect the thing is that yeah, four is is just this completely separate. Because five else. goes I, ba- five goes back to to where it was. Right. So yes, I imagine that five will carry on just just yeah, as if it went straight from the end of, of episode three. But I was amazed just just this the, the choreography of it just to get the whole thing. A um, little bit of side information for Rope fans out there. Of course, when Hitchcock made Rope, you could only get uh, ten minute rolls of film. So Rope is they, they used to- nine ten minute shots. Yeah, they used Pretty to uh, every every ten minutes or so in rope. They will uh, close up on a couch with nobody on it or something. Yeah, or uh, the, the the best ones are when it tracks behind someone and they yeah. cut. The and worst they, one is when it zooms into a hat. Yes. that one's really bad. But, but they, uh, they would just they would lock the camera down, change cartridges, mm-hmm. and then con- then continue on. For this, of course, you would think uh, it's being filmed in HD. They could do it in one shot. Uh, they actually couldn't. Apparently, the HD equipment uh, overheats if it's on for more than twenty minutes. So right. it is actually still two shots, um, but but it's it's done so so cleverly about twenty minutes in that you don't notice it. Oh wow! But um, yeah, but it's it's because okay. it did it just it did just look like like one complete shot and. I- I, I thought that episode was superb. And yeah, I was really taken by this. Some lovely that, reveals yeah, in the that, characters. That would probably well. be while he was upstairs and and they were off screen. Uh, it probably, it, I think it's, it goes behind the trunk at one point and comes back. I, I've got a. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly at what point it is, but probably it's about twenty minutes. Here. I, I have to say, with Psychoville, this is exactly where I think Little Britain and other character and dress ups based British shows really fall down. Uh, and, and you know. In Britain, they love having shows where men dress up as women and uh, and put on funny lady voices. And uh, for some reason, that's what a lot of their comedy is, is based on at the moment. But the complexity and the depth of the characters in Psychoville is truly outstanding. And also the humour doesn't come from catchphrases, mm-hmm. which is so refreshing. Uh, or any kind of repetition, really. And it, it's in the way that the characters choose to respond to situations. And I think uh, it's also taking the, the concept of the situation comedy and turning it into something wonderful. So Something well, that, that England has done well for a very long time, and they've done it well on stage with you know, plays like Run For Your Wife and... Uh, all sorts of just the mis- the the comedy of misunderstanding. Well, I did think with this one, it surprised me. You could take the comedy out of it, and I think it would actually still work. Like I, I because I was enjoying it mostly 
I, mean, I was enjoying it as a comedy, but I was enjoying it mostly on the plot level and the character level. I was mm. just enjoying mm. kind of, you know, going on this strange I definitely journey. wasn't watching it as a comedy, um, but like the the comic bits would be surprising and, and mm-hmm. so kind of sit against the darkness of the drama, uh, just that much more standout. Whereas, I, yeah, I, I found it hilarious. And it's it, – because it's, it is, it's part comedy, part pantomime, the- and – part terrifying thriller <laughs> yes it is there were, there were a couple of jokes that i actually wished they had cut because occasionally i thought there were there were certain moments of humor that went i thought just too far oddly enough to be humor because because the rest of the series is so dark and actually i'm thinking episode four there's a bit where someone's looking through the letterbox going i can see you now you're lifting your leg it's now ex- you're putting it down four. again now you're turning mm. around and it's very funny it's a very funny bit but it just didn't quite feel was it right for well? Yeah, it's, yeah, it was. It's I felt it was funny, laboured, but but yeah, but it felt like it would be really suitable for a different type of show, and that was a little bit where occasionally I thought, really, you don't have to be funny all the time because you've already won me over with with the rest of it that I'm willing to go. Yeah, with yeah. It. You had me at strangling. You did. And there's lovely moments when like the, the mystery guy who's living he starts leaving notes and stuff. He he leaves this videotape, you know, with the kind of I know what you do thing, <laughs> and the guy comes running out going, I don't have a video recorder. I've only got a DVD, and you, you see this sort of hooded figure kind of sadly looking Look at, at these the other tapes, tapes going oh what a, mm. yeah. <laughs> and a bit where he's on the phone trying to go um i know what you did go, oh i did get a pen darling hang on i know what you did oh it's not working and, and all that sort of stuff with the, the guys trying to threaten everyone and keeps yeah being frustrated by by the sort of banality yeah. of life yeah, there yeah. were mo- there were moments through there that were annoying and really obvious such as the ebay couple's son and and how that that oh, fit yep. in with with everything that was going on and just like that was too busy and and wound up with what they were supposed to be doing that they didn't know that he had the solution but that was really obvious it yeah. was obvious from the outset when that, they that, were looking but, oh, but there's that, a, there is an e, there is an eBay sequence in there which I thought was just fantastic of people competing to bid on something on eBay and it's filmed like it's from twenty four it's filmed like this thriller sequence and it's that was very exciting <laughs> I, I I think it's a little bit of genius I I really love Psychoville I've tried Tried to find out from the ABC when, uh, if if they have the rights to it, and if so, when they'll be showing it. But uh, maybe Mac- Working Dog are, are working on their own version of it, and we'll see it at eleven thirty on Friday nights. Well, I, I was just going to say that uh, my my contact, uh, I just got a uh, a, a very late uh, auto reply saying uh, I'm on annual leave until the twenty seventh. So <laughs> hopefully, I'll have an answer yeah. for you next week. Good work, Gunnar. Yeah, thanks. Oh, and the one more factoid, just to leave you with uh, the name of the show, Psychoville comes from the title that was given to the League of Gentlemen when that series was shown in Japan and Korea. Oh, right. Yeah, it was called Psychoville, and they liked that so much that they used it for this. Oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Hey, what's happening, man? This is Bart Simpson. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't hang up. I'm now auditing on new OT7. Box cutters. See you there, man. <laughs> Now, John Richards and I were talking uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, to each other, which is odd, Mm. I know, but we do sometimes, uh, about uh, HBO having announced that they're going to be making a television series based on the uh, Jeffrey Eugenides uh, novel Middlesex. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then John Yee said that this is actually quite a trend now in the US to make ongoing series from novels. Well, I said I read an article online that said that and we should rip it off. And, uh, yeah. And so, then you've, you've printed that out. Do you just want to read that out verbatim? Yeah, pretty much. It'll take yeah, a while. Okay. No, no, this is, this is, yeah, we were saying, the interesting, look, the interesting thing that led to this is because we were talking about Middlesex and, um, of course, you've got shows like Dexter, uh, it's based on a series of novels, mm-hmm. True Blood, Bones, 
And while it's been uh, traditional, especially in the UK, to make things into you know short tele series or mini series, so you, know, you might take a classic novel and do the the one off tele movie tele series, or, or even like thirteen episodes, but you know it's going to finish. It's a big thing now for the US to start doing ongoing series based on novels. And we've talked before about the idea that that we're in this crazy topsy-turvy world where films are now for children and TV is for adults, which it used to be the other way around. And so it kind of makes more sense now that prestige dramas are happening on television. And so rather than, than, you know, offloading your book to be made into a a two-hour not very good film, your book can now become a a whole series of of television. Of of potentially not very good television. Of potentially not very good television. But also potentially this is not uh, something that's down to the TV networks, but it's down to the film studios and and their their reticence to to take risks on something that's not a Michael Bay extravaganza, $200 million production. Well, that that could be true too, because some of the books, basically this is is the five that were mentioned in this article. Um, Flash Forward which we've mentioned before, which is a, a novel by Robert Sawyer. Which, which, uh, which we're it, still seeing the teasers for. Yeah, it had, yep. had, the, had the teaser in the uh, last episode of Lost, of Lost, didn't it? Yep, in which everyone basically, uh, for a moment, can see what's going to happen in their future and how it's going to affect them. Um, a Song of Ice and Fire, which is based on George R. R. Martin's lengthy epic fantasy series. Um, this is interesting because HBO has sold it as uh, The Sopranos in Middle Earth. Is how the how HBO is actually selling that one, right? Which that's kind of good. Uh, Carter beats the devil by oh, really? Glenn David Gold. Yeah, I love that book uh, for AMC, who make Mad Men and uh, Breaking Bad. As I I love that book a lot because it's it's not only about magic, which I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. It's also about the invention of television. Oh, okay, yeah. It, it it covers off on both. It's it's fantastic. And from the channel doing Mad Men, it's a thing where I think obviously the for a lot of these, I think what they what they obviously want is the is the the milieu, the um the other yeah, background, the location and the time. And I guess that's the thing of the book gives you that, and you kind of hope the characters can keep going from the end of it once you reach the end of the plot that you've got. Um, Red Mars by Kim Stanley Robinson. Um, wow. Again for AMC. And and Middlesex, but yeah. So the interesting thing is, they're saying none of these are planned as as tele movies or, or one off series. They're all intended to go on as as an ongoing drama. And that, I guess, is where the question comes up as to whether or not the book is going to allow you to do that. I've never actually read any of like the, the Dexter books or the the Sookie Stackhouse mysteries. Have, it, have you guys read any of those? No, I mean, no. I thought you did Dexter. Oh, you yeah, seem sorry, to know sorry. about Dexter. I read the I read the first. Uh, the first Dexter novel. And the thing is, Dexter and, and Sookie Stackhouse, they're series of novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like each series of Dexter is made out of a single novel. So it's more like if uh, if Herman Wick had, uh, had written a sequel to The Winds of War, they could have done another series yeah. of, uh, of The Winds of War. Uh, the first book of Dexter is just terrible. It's it's an appalling piece of writing. So the, it's, so the it's, TV series is in fact better than the the TV series is much better than the book. The book is like it was written by a first year uni student, and uh, the TV series is like it was written by professional uh, drama writers. Uh, so a, a huge difference there. Uh, there there are a, a couple of uh, a, a couple of obvious differences in the way the story is told, but uh, most importantly, they just get the intrigue. A lot better. Whereas reading the book of Dexter, it just kind of go, I don't care. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I, I must, die, don't die. I don't care. I imagine if you if you're a real fan of these books, then the TV series will presumably be quite annoying because 
it obviously has to continue the story beyond where the novel ends. Uh, and it will probably, you know, play around with a lot. But on the other hand, it may be, they were saying that um, Flash Forward, according to this, isn't considered to be a terribly good novel anyway. So it, it's sort of thought that maybe, in fact, it will, it'll be better than the source material. And certainly, I think uh, other things lend themselves now to being, rather than being films, I think, for example, that uh, Watchmen would have been much better as a, as a TV series. I've, I've, I've said that uh, all, all along. Ever since, uh, ever since in, uh, when I went to RMIT screenwriting school, I tried to... Uh, write the treatment for an adaptation, uh, a two-hour adaptation of uh, of Watchmen, and realised it was pretty much impossible. Well, that's it. I mean, and also, it's twelve issues. You know, so basically, twelve one hours would have been the absolute perfect way to, to tell it. Yeah. But again, it would have. It, that's a very English thing that would have needed to end rather than the American one. You then want to have the more adventures of Night Howl, and and you know, it would have quite worked. Yeah, but it's so it's such a dense piece of of source material uh, that. Yeah, I mean, that and From Hell and all of those would be so much better as TV series. And From Hell you could do because you could do it in England as an English series. Yeah. Uh, but they just never bothered. But it's just fascinating. We have come to that point now where people are going, well, you know, if I want my book to be explored properly, if I want the characters to be represented, I'm better off going for a TV series than, than going for a movie. Even though I might not get as much money mm. up front, but then I might get more money on the DVD sales because people are more likely to buy DVDs of television sell more books series. As well, I imagine. And you'll I mean, probably sell more books. I imagine those Sookie Stackhouse uh, books must have taken off. After I reckon. True I reckon Blood. nobody heard of them before mm. before True Blood. Uh, so that's uh, t- TVs. So t- TVs based on book. That's what we're saying. Novels. They're big. They're hip. They're happening right now. If you watch one thing. They are of a piece, aren't they? Yes, yes, a piece of my mind. <laughs> Clearly not yours, John. No. I, I do find it a bit disconcerting that uh, suddenly uh, that uh, that crowd of children are, are cut off like they they were just terminated. Yeah. Really? Yes. Is no that in, in the new? Uh, does uh, I didn't notice. Does it just go? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Maybe I'll try to fix that. Maybe I think not. I might have done it on the uh, on, on previously as well. Oh well, then uh, then that's just part of it. Then that was intentional. <laughs> it's <laughs> deliberate. Uh, Brett Cropley, if you were going to watch one it. thing this week, what would it be? Um, well, I I did really feel like uh, I I should bring a CSA to uh, box cutters and tell people don't watch Renters, which uh, I did happen to catch last night uh, late on Channel 7. What is Renters then? Which was after uh, Bones and Castle. Uh, Renters is uh, an observational um, half-hour series from New Zealand. Uh, Basically... um, it's a terrible Kiwi bogans being horrible to more bogan bogans uh, show where you've got uh, people who work for real estate agents going out and uh, and checking up on. Uh, so is this you, actually on the real estate agent side? Is this like like, yes. like, a, like a pro real estate yeah. agent? Oh my! I, I, I I've can't never been into a house a as dirty as that. It was just horrible. It stinks. I'm sure they've had those dogs inside. Right. It's not just scenes of the real estate agents, you know, kind of I'll jacking up the rent court and not fixing going to come back to the office oh. with me right now. Shocking. Kind of stuff. It was horrible. Um, and, and 
I haven't really. TV, TV Burp is uh, starting this week. Yes. Uh, which is uh, our local version of something that was in the UK. Harry, yeah, Harry Hill. Hill. From memory, Ed Cavalier is, uh, is uh, well, as it says here, flips what we loved and hate about our TV favourites from soaps, reality and documentaries. Nothing is safe from TV Burp's unique style of celebrating the week that was on TV. Yeah, it so- sounds uh, a lot like guess. the soup as well. Uh, but uh, Ed Cavalier, uh, yeah, is hosting that. I, I don't he's know if a likeable guy. He's he's a likeable guy. Yeah, yeah. hopefully uh, uh, it's not terrible and it won't uh, damage his cred. It's on at nine p.m. on seven on Thursday night. Uh, Gavin and Stacey is uh, starting late on uh, Channel Seven on Tuesday nights, eleven o'clock. Uh, Tuesday twenty-first. That's tomorrow night. Given today is Monday. Who, who who hated that? You hated that, John. You hated Gavin and Stacey. I, I always get confused. Is that the one about the footballer? No, no, no Wales no, no. and... Uh, that and was Wales and oh, Colchester. No, the, yeah, no, I hated that. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, right. Despised that. Quite liked it. Other uh, people have just, apropos of nothing, come up to me and said, have you seen Gavin and Stacey? Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I've got my one thing this week again. It's a show that we, we covered a while back. Eureka. Uh, according to the oh, online really? guide, said it's actually Series 3, uh, the first episode of Eureka. Is that a cable somewhere, though? No, on Channel 10. Thursday uh, the twenty third, Channel Ten. What time would Channel Ten be paying Eureka? Then do we think eleven thirty? You know, you're very close. It's midnight. It's right. actually so. It's actually Friday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning, midnight. Channel Ten. That's Eureka. Kinda, um, just after where they've put Flight of the Concords first season when uh, SBS is showing second season Flight of the Concords on Monday <laughs> right. nights. Nice, but yes, Eureka we we covered a while back the um, uh, uh, comedy sci-fi romantic. It's like due south, but with. But with science and stuff. It's a country yeah. town full of... Uh, it's due south with pretend science. Yeah, yeah. World-leading scientists. Mm. Uh, if I was going to watch one thing, uh, if I hadn't already seen it, uh, it would I've be... Already seen I it. have already seen it. But it, it would be uh, the uh, most recent series of The Amazing Race, uh, which starts on uh, Thursday at 7.30 mm. on Channel 7. So they're actually trying it. At a regular time, maybe maybe because the uh, stunt midgets are in there, they they figure they can get some of the kids excited about that. Well, the, the stunt midgets are. Uh, are Is that are what they're good. calling them? Uh, they no, they're stunt just midgets? They're, they're not stunt midgets. They're just uh, short stunt brothers. They're real midgets, but they do stunt. Yeah, yeah. They're only they're only just midgets though. Um, midgets I think the dwarves. ads are calling them stunt midgets. Right, midgets or dwarves. Right, there midgets, is uh, the are they? Yeah. Right. there there are people to love and hate in this season mm-hmm. of of Amazing Race as as always, and there are some people that you kind of go you, you look out for the two girls who and every time they came on screen, I went one of you they they're like ex cheerleaders or something, uh, and and I, I look at them and go one of you is better looking than the other one. But I can't work out which one. Like, there's, they're, they're both like they both. What, they, wasn't that a big hit from the sixties? Yes, <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. But the the, uh, they both look like they should be very attractive. But if you look at them for too long, uh, they're just not. It's, is, it's weird. Is that because you start to listen to their words and they're really ugly inside? No, no, no. no. You could have it on mute and I think you'd still discover the same thing. Anyway, look out for that. Thursday, 23rd. Uh, that's this Thursday on Channel 7. Okay, question three. Which yeah, can I... Are all these going to be about war? No. i got loads of... i got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Box. 
Okay, just quickly because we are running out of time. Oh, it no. is. It is. Yes, we are. We ran out of time ages ago. I know. Go on. Uh, we, it's time to talk about the box cutters beanbag competition, which we announced two weeks ago. Or uh, Brett announced, and we kind of went, "What?" Uh, <laughs> the pinch pitch comp. Yes, yes, pitch, pitch. a show. So uh, we're asking you to come up with a pitch for a new TV show. That's Sorry. not one of them. No. <laughs> Oh, but, but maybe, but it could, it could be maybe squeaky could microphone. Yeah. Into, uh, yeah. Squeaky microphone. Do you squeaky have a pitch? Hour. Do you have a pitch for the squeaky microphone hour? If the invisible or inaudible show can get up, then uh, yeah. <laughs> what we want is a pitch that is audio and or visual. So uh, it could be it could be something uh, pretty. It could be a pretty picture of some kind uh, that has the pitch. On it in could some be a recording, way. Could, could be, be a video. Could be a recording of an actual pitch. Could be, uh, could be video. Show and tell is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the show and tell aspect. You need to be able to basically. We need to be able to show it or play it. What we want people. is yeah, because we, we're going to uh, get some TV producers to to look at these, and so this is a, another reason why it's probably important to try to get uh, your entries in as soon as possible. The cutoff date is. The thirty first of October. Um, actual chat, I believe, was it, has sent us something already. Yes, yes and which is very exciting. That that will go up on the uh, on the blog during and, the week. And it came in over the break. Uh, it took me a while to figure out what it was, um, and of course, I forgot to bring it into the studio tonight. Uh, but uh, I, I laughed a lot once I realised what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so yes, it, it does have to be audio and or visual uh, to uh, to help everybody fully appreciate it uh you can enter from anywhere in the world i've actually written you can be enter from anywhere in the you world can be enter. you can be anywhere. enter i should fix that before it goes on the blog uh you can enter from anywhere in the world because box cutters love knows no arbitrary borders Oh, that's nice. Isn't it? Yeah. Uh, entries must be submitted by October 31st, but we'll have a couple of rounds of advice slash criticism by real television producers from television. <laughs> so do get your entries in as soon as possible to have your pitch featured in those episodes. So if I'm making a diorama yes. and, and I want to post it in, where am I sending it to? Where's the physical address? Uh, that would be to well, I guess if it was a diorama, it'd be kind of big, so it wouldn't it's really like fit into a PO box. No, I didn't, oh no, I didn't but they, they can, but they can, they can give if the uh, if it's envelope size, uh, PO box two one four five Brunswick East three oh five seven. That's but, in Victoria. Or if it's oh, yeah, no, the station if it's, here, if it's a parcel, you can either bring it into to three triple R at two two one Nicholson Street East Brunswick, but you can also post it to PO box two one four five Brunswick East. Yeah, but if, I, if, I'm, if I'm making an exploration of a, of a failed marriage in cake form, I'm obviously bringing it to Triple R at, yes. at, at 221 yes. Blythe Street. Uh, uh, Nicholson, Street. Nicholson Street. Yeah. On the corner of Blythe. Yeah. Uh, but if, if it is a diorama and, you, and you're out of state or you're out of town, you just want to send it by mail, they do have these things called slips that uh, that go in your post yeah, office box yeah, yeah. that say, you've got a parcel waiting for you. And then you go inside and you get all excited. And you're, is it my Amazon parcel? Is it also, my Amazon parcel? No, it's a rent yeah. increase from the landlord. And if you're Sophie in Canada, for example, and you're making a, a lovely cake form to express, you probably take a lot of photographs. I think that'd be enough. But yeah, the take, video. Take, yeah. take photos of cake. Would customs let cake through from Canada? Um, you can't send. No, is it we can't send cake to America? Do you know you can't send Vegemite to America? 
Really? Yeah. In a sealed jar. Yeah, yeah, because it's got... Um, uh, it's that it, uh, it, parallel import. Really. No, it, it's one of the natural occurring elements in it. It's one of the ingredients. Casmium. That, um, yeah, it's like you can buy stuff with it in America, but you can't... Add it. Oh, it's, it's nuts. But what, what Actually, meant cadmium there. It's a, it's a, it's a it's nuclear a like... Yeah. <laughs> what, what, if, what if I had Vegemite in my luggage and I wanted to take it in into theory, America? In theory, you can't. Yeah, right. In theory, you're actually not allowed to. Last time I went to America, I actually forgot to take my yeah. my usual tiny jar of Vegemite, and uh, and I don't think it was anyone devast- cares. But I'm just saying. That, right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so that's the uh, that's the box cutters beanbag competition. Start sending your pitch to us as soon as you can. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast. Done. Pork is on the table. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 189. I got a bunch of stuff. Very quickly. Um, sl- okay, Brett. Slings and Arrows, which we reviewed ages ago. I finally watched the last four episodes of. It's amazing. Uh, we liked it anyway, but the last mm. three episodes, really great. And if you're doing a production of Hamlet, oh. watch it. It's got some really useful directorial tips. Um, Psychoville, I should mention, there's a whole string of websites, which I forgot to mention, for all the characters and, and things that appear in the website. There's a the whole stack of these fake websites, um, including Midget Gems, the porn company that the, uh, oh, the, the dwarf has excellent. worked for, which you can, you can see um, a range of their products. And also, this week was the 40th anniversary of the moon landing. Um, and I just wanted to bring this up because it, it fascinated me. Because, yeah, there are crazy people who think there's a conspiracy. And you can watch that clip of Buzz Aldrin hitting someone in the face, which is, ah, oh, YouTube that, well worth it. Um, but I mentioned this to, to Josh earlier that the, there was a thing called the Lost, Lost Cosmonauts, which is a belief that the Russians had launched um, other manned missions, which they, they, they tended to announce their missions when they ended successfully. They, uh-huh. they didn't sort of advertise them ahead of time. And there was this belief that there's a whole bunch of Russians who died uh, in all these missions. It's generally been shown to be a hoax. I don't think there's any proof for any of these, but it is, if you want to read about it, it's, it's a really creepy kind of unsettling concept, these idea of these, these poor you know, cosmonauts being lost in space forever and dying up there and, and radioing back and asking for help. But um, one of them, I just want to bring this up, Andre McKellen. Reportedly killed together with a second crew member in an attempt to reach the moon ahead of the Americans in early 1969. Due to system malfunction, they failed to get into lunar orbit, shot past the moon. That's one you will find this gentleman listed everywhere. Turns out that's the plot of the episode Buried in Peace from the Cape, which first aired on the 28th of October 1996. So I'm just putting out that uh, some of the conspiracy theories out there, they're actually from mid-90s basic cable. Don't believe them. <laughs> right. Don't believe them. They're nonsense. In, in, in that same way that uh, uh, Capricorn 1 really popularised the idea that the moon landing exactly. could have been fake. Yeah, without Capricorn 1, we probably wouldn't be hearing those moon landing hoax stories. So, OJ Simpson, I blame you. Hey, uh, there's a new season of Survivor coming up. It's the landmark 20th season, uh, reportedly all-star contest. Richard Hatch wanted to uh, enter. Unfortunately, he's still imprisoned, technically. Uh, he, he isn't in a jail at the moment, but he is in home confinement. How in Newport, in prison, yes. Rhode Island, uh, and the judges knocked him back. Uh, he, he thought that if he won, he the uh, $400,000 prize money could uh, Pay off the tax that he off. didn't pay. Yes, some of the taxes that he didn't pay. Oh, it's a spiral. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 189. Uh, really? That's it. Uh, if you want to donate, please go onto the blog and uh, donate to us. It does help us bring this show to you every week, which mm-hmm. is which is lovely. Next week, we will have a guest. Which oh, is, have we? Yeah. 
Yeah, got to guess. God, pressure. I <laughs> thought we'd have a couple of weeks to get back up, up to speed. No, next week, guest. No more daiquiris. Uh, you can check out all the we'll show notes. We'll have to put our pants back on next week. We'll have to wear pants. We will have to wear pants. Is <laughs> We're not at joy anymore. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey, is the the uh, mystery not appearing guest from 188 uh, actually going to turn oh, up? Um, he did send an email. So, yes, oh, hopefully really? we, we won't be seeing the mystery not appearing guest at some point soon. Any explanation? Forgot. Check out the show notes at <laughs> boxcutters.net. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Joe Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. I must say, listening to those uh, to, to the couple of episodes... You must say it's the end of the bloody show. <laughs> Without my lines. Thanks for listening to Boxcutters. And catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. It was very weird. And hey, let's be careful out it there. It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything. Boxcutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Boxcutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. We would have asked you, but you said you were busy. And we did. Oh, sorry. I, I was I was actually just going to say, if uh, if Brett Cropley doesn't behave, we might have to put him back in the trunk. I mean, hi. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? We, we love you really, Brett. Yeah, no, yeah. I prefer uh, being hooked up on the, the back of the, the door. Yeah, okay. No. Yeah, but you know, that's dangerous too. Fair cool. That's dangerous well, too. Only if you put a big carving knife on the, on the bookshelf. People have listened for long enough. <laughs> Let them go home. Hang on, it's it's <laughs> a, such a late number. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> okay. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>